0: while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk.
1: Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Grow Your Team podcast. Today, I'm so excited because I'm bringing back on Nikki Roush. Nikki was a guest on the podcast back on episode 84, where we talked about hiring the right contractors to support your business. but. I just had to get Nikki back on the show and why, as you'll hear about a little bit as we kick off the episode, Nikki has her own podcast that if you're not already subscribing to, you definitely should. It's called the Sales Maving Podcast. And within that podcast, a few months ago, she released an episode about how to sell your team, how to make it so people want to work with your team when they can no longer work with you because you're becoming too busy to take on all your all the clients that are coming to your business. Or you recognize that you have to get out of the day-to-day work and focus on your CEO role, but you don't want your clients to feel like they're getting something less because they're working with your team. So she released this episode and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. How do I share this knowledge with with you all? Because it is so impactful. It is so important if you have the vision of growing your business beyond you and having a team of people that are performing the day to day tasks in your business with your clients that you're currently doing today. And of course, the quick answer of how do I share all that information with you was to bring Nikki back on the podcast. So, Let's jump into the episode and hear everything Nikki has to say so you can learn how to properly sell the concept of people working with your team when they no longer have the opportunity to work with you because either you're stopping to take on client work or because you're too busy to take them on as a client. Hi, Nikki. Welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Thanks for having me back. I feel really honored. Yes. All right. Well, I know you've been on the show before, but it's been a while. So remind everyone who you are and what you do. So
2: I am a sales coach and trainer. My company is Sales Maven. I primarily work with women business owners and I teach them the structure and the art of the sales conversation so that the sales process gets easier, not just for the seller, but also for the buyer. How can you make the process easy? How can you make sales conversational? And yeah, so that's what I specialize in.
1: Yes. And Nikki is amazing. Like I said, like Nikki's been on the podcast before it was episode 85. So go, or I'm sorry, 84, not 85, but go listen to 85 too. Um, but episode <laughs> 84. And I know I shared on that episode, how much Nikki has helped me in my business. It, she really does make you comfortable with selling and make it a part of like easy conversations versus like, I no longer fear going into those conversations where I know, like when I started my business, I was just like, oh my God, I actually have to sell like so uncomfortable. And Nikki, you've done a great job of helping train me to become at ease with the selling process. And it, it totally changes like so much once you you have that confidence and, and everything with that process. So thank you, Nikki, for all the help that you've done to inspire me in my business and help me and teach me along the way.
2: Well, thank you for saying that. I feel really honored to get to work with people and that somebody will put their trust in me and allow for me to, you know, guide them on this process. And so I feel like I want to get up and do a happy dance that you say, like, you're really comfortable with the sales conversation because that's the goal. Like that's the ultimate goal is that sales should never feel uncomfortable or scary or icky or any of that. It doesn't have to be. So I feel I feel like a win today. Thank you for that. <laughs>
1: right. And it's it's sometimes funny. Like when I get bad sales pitches thrown at me, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, they just need to go speak with Nikki. And sometimes <laughs> I've actually responded to really bad pitches through like email or LinkedIn. And I'm like, maybe you should go speak to Nikki. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you for that. I feel like, you know, it's always a fine line of somebody, you know, cause you don't want to make anybody feel bad or ashamed of what they do, but yeah, there's a lot of really bad, there's a lot of bad sales advice out there and there's a lot of people doing it. I think unintentionally horribly, and it doesn't have to be that way. A little bit of investment in your time and a little bit of money and you can to learn how to effectively have Conversations that build rapport and make it easy for people to buy from you.
1: Exactly. And I think you said like a real key word there unintentionally. No one's intentionally going out and giving bad sales pitches. It's a lot of those things like you don't know what you don't know and you model yourself after a lot of times like what you see. So you see people doing these things and you figure, Well, if other people are doing it, that's the way it needs to be done. That's how Mm -hmm. you make a sale. That's how you're successful. And sometimes it does take a little bit of that effort to go and learn the right way instead of just modeling what you see. And I feel like that happens a lot of times with leadership as well. Um, A few episodes I talked back I talked about you're turning into the boss you hate because even though you see that you didn't like that boss, you didn't like the way they treated you, It's what you were used to. So you Mm -hmm. automatically start mimicking that behavior because you don't know that there's other ways of doing it and there's better ways of doing it.
2: Wow. That's such a profound point. I love that you are comparing those because that is the thing is we tend to model what we see and we think because. You get a bunch of garbage that shows up in your email, you know, of all these different pitches that sound the same of like, you should buy from me. Like you need help with your website, blah, blah, blah. You know, all this, we think that must work. Well, it doesn't work because it doesn't work for you. Do you buy from those people? No, you don't buy from those people. You delete their messages, you ignore them or you unfriend them. You unlink from them on LinkedIn, whatever it is, because it feels gross. So no, it does not work. So I love that you made that distinction. And also this comparison about like, you can sometimes turn into the thing you don't want to be.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's, it's so easy when that's the model that, that you're going after. And I think we see it in so many different ways, whether it's the sales, whether it's leadership, sometimes even parenting and, and stuff like that, that it's, it's what's been put in front of you. So it's so Mm -hmm. easy to fall into those habits, even though you didn't like the way that you uh received it when you were on the receiving end. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk about why you're here today. Okay. And um so as you heard, like Nikki's been on the podcast before, but she was someone I was just like, oh my gosh, I need to have her back. And the reason why I was like so excited when the opportunity came up to have her back again was because Nikki has her own podcast, the Sales Maving Podcast. So go listen to it, go subscribe to it or follow it if you're not already. It's amazing and she posted this episode uh maybe about 2 months or so ago now a little wh- ways back yeah, but it yeah. was about selling your team like mm-hmm. to your clients and kind of making it so your team's not viewed as this kind of like second class workers in your business that your clients actually want to work with your team and when the episode came out i i was in love with it i was like not only did it hit me of like once again we need to practice what we preach and I need to listen to this advice with myself as I'm building my own team. I felt like it was so important because as business owners we grew our business typically our names out there we're and in some ways selling ourselves and then you're bringing people in and it's like how do you bring the team into the mix and sell your team to your clients without your clients feeling like they're getting less because they're not working with you.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Cause this is a, this is such a common like thing that I coach around. People will often say to me like, okay, so I brought on this team member, but none of my clients want to work with the team member. They only want to work with me. And I'm really struggling with selling, like selling people on why you want to work with the team member, whoever that is. Um, And a lot of times it's these simple things, which is what I talked about on the podcast. Like it's these simple little tweaks that you have to do and the way you position it that can make or break the difference. And I hear this over and over and over again with, with people that I coach that have teams. This is like the number one issue that they're struggling with. And then when they can make these simple adjustments, they're like, wow, all of a sudden this conversation got so much easier and the sale now becomes exciting for them because now you're able to really maximize and grow your business because you have team members that are doing that things that are going to generate revenue in your business. It's not all tied to you because at some point we max out, right? Like we all only have the same amount of time in a day.
1: Right. Which I think it's funny because at the the last episode you were on, at the very end, we were talking about that and how you were going to expand your business. And we kind of talked mm-hmm. about, well, SalesMaven is built around Nikki. So how are you going to go and build your business where other people are then helping you to deliver that, that product and that service besides just helping with the admin. So we did talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. at the end of that episode. So go back everyone and listen once again to episode 84 and hear, hear our conversation around that. But let's start giving people some some tips and advice on how they can really uh, sell their teams. Let's start with the discovery call. And I mm-hmm. feel like, because that's, that's the first place is when you're selling this idea of people not working with you, they're working with your team. Yeah. How do you bring up in that call that, okay, especially the first time that you will not be their point person moving forward, or whether, um, maybe it's depending on what you do, there's different people that are going to be doing different parts of that process.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Well, the, the thing that I want to say, and I mean, this with a lot of love to the listener, if this, this resonates with you at all, is that the, one of the big mistakes that can happen is our ego gets in the way, right? So we get onto these calls and we start, cause we know how good we are at what we do, right? Like we all know that you're an expert at what you do. And so of course, you know, that what you're going to deliver to the client If they were to work with you, if you were to take them on, they're going to get an amazing experience. And so now you're having to position somebody else that's not you, that's going to also deliver a good experience. But so we have to check our egos at the door. We have to be willing to put aside, yes, I know how good I am. Yes, I know that I deliver a good experience. And I have to trust that my team members are going to also deliver An amazing experience for the client. So in the discovery call, one of the things that you have to do is you have to let go of talking about and making kind of disclaimers about why you're not available and then why they would work with the team. So I hear this over and over with clients is they'll do this thing where they'll get on a call with somebody and they'll say, yes, 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 that's totally what we do. And yeah, we can support you with that. And now, so I'm not taking on clients right now, but I can refer you to one of my, you know, junior associates. Well, right there, it's like, okay. So as the prospect or as the potential client here, I just got something taken away from me by the way you positioned it. Like you're not available. Oh, and I've got to work with a junior associate. <laughs> like that doesn't sound very attractive. Like who wants second string? Nobody. Nobody. So instead in that conversation, when you're talking to them, you're saying like, yes, we can absolutely help you with this. And the team I'm going to refer you or, or, you know, my recommendation for you is to work with so-and-so, you know, Susan on the team is an expert at this. She's going to take amazing care of you. You're going to get exactly what you need and we're so, so excited to have you become one of our clients. So now I'm highlighting Susan and how awesome she is. So the prospect is like, oh, I can't wait to meet Susan. She's gonna be awesome for me.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of telling them and presenting it to them is this is just one person in the team. It's not that, oh, you're downgraded to work with Susan. It's Susan's the assigned contact. Susan is your person. Like they are, they are your account leader or manager (laughs) or whatever it is.
2: Yeah. And if there's going to be multiple team members participating in the deliverables, you know, that the client is going to interface with, then it's like so the team, you know, our team will be doing, you know, these things for you. So be on the lookout for, you know, contact from Susan and and Beth will also be, you know, delivering this part to you. Like but make sure that you are really highlighting the team members. You have to build them up. And remember that by building them up, it's not diminishing you in any way and your expertise because you're the leader of the team. So of course, you're only going to have people on your team that are amazing. So we got to pour love on our team members. We got to really highlight them and we can't position them in any way. Like they're less than us, that they are, um, like the second string. They're like the junior associate, right? Like, call him a team member. I just had this conversation with somebody recently where she was struggling to do this exact thing. She's like, my schedule is full. I absolutely cannot take on another client, but I brought in somebody and she was, she was saying like, she was like, I don't even know how to position her. And I was like, why don't you position her as your colleague? Cause it was a contractor. And so call her your colleague. So my colleague Is You know, she's the one who I would recommend for you for this. She has this expertise. She's going to take care of you or call her a team member, but don't call her like, well, so I have somebody that takes my overflow. (laughs) Like nobody's going to want to hire that person. That doesn't sound good.
1: Right. Yeah. If I think about it, like there's some strategic partners that I work with that kind of, I white label my services for them. Mm-hmm. And when I get on those calls, those kickoff calls, they introduce me as Jamie is our hiring expert. They don't feel like, oh yeah, Jamie's the person that helps us along because we don't feel like doing this. It's Jamie's our hiring expert. Like she's the one who's going to find you, your team members. You're just going to lead this conversation. So it is, they, they position me to their clients as, as the expert and not yeah. just we didn't feel like doing this. So here, here you go. Here's Jamie.
2: Yeah. Like we don't really have time in the, you know, in our schedule to do that anymore. So we just, we outsource it to Jamie like that's not going to sound very good. Right. Right. So yeah. So exactly what you said, you have to make sure that the way that you're positioning the team, when you talk about a team member or the team itself, that it is, there has to be some excitement in your voice. There has to be congruency that this is going to be an amazing experience they, they can trust you, you're standing in your place of expertise, you're making the recommendation that is the best fit for them. And the best fit for them when your schedule is full is your team member, right. right? So if you both are doing the same thing and you're like, I'm not taking on a new client, the team member has capacity, then, you know, it's, it's not in any way, like, because I'm full, you're going to be funneled over to this other person that doesn't need to be in the conversation.
1: Right? Yes, definitely. But what about when it's a repeat client? So they're okay. used to working with you and you, you literally you're full. You yeah. can't give that client the attention that they need. So if you try to take them on and put them onto your plate, they're going to get poor service because mm-hmm. you literally don't have time, but now you need to, it's not someone new. Now you need to kind of bring that other person in, but this client wants to work with you. You're the reason that they're coming back.
2: So if they're specifically, so if you've said to them, they come back and they're like, Hey, we want to do another round of, you know, coaching with you or whatever, then you could say the coaching options that are available right now are with so-and-so. And she's amazing. And this is what she's going to deliver for you. So that would be my recommendation. And then if they push back, if they're like, yeah, but Nikki, we really want, we want to work with you. Then I think it's okay to say, I actually don't have capacity to take on, or just say, I'm not taking on this work anymore. That work, that, that type of service is now being handled by so-and-so. So you have to, you really do have to stand in your place of, um, like credibility congruency. So how you do do it with your voice, with your facial expressions, with your body language, if they can see you is you just say like this, it's like, you're saying the time of day, this is what it is, right? This is who, this is, who's actually delivering that service now. And if they're like, yeah, but can't we just work with you? You know, like, is there, is there a possibility? Then you have to decide how do you want to handle that? So you can, you can do that in a few ways. You could say, I, I actually am not taking on that work anymore, or I don't deliver that. That's not a part of what my services are right now. You could say that you could also say, um, I just had this with somebody recently where somebody was really pushing back hard. And they, and I was like, do you have the capacity to take them on? They're like, well, I could, but I don't really want to. I was like, then charge a premium. So they're used to paying whatever you, you know, they paid you last time, say that that's, you know, this is when you work with so-and-so, this is the program when you work with me now. And we like three times did, it it was an easy decision for the client to say, I'm happy to work with your team member, (laughs) right? Yeah, that's okay.
1: That was actually something I wanted to ask about was pricing because I've heard people do that before. Where Uh it's like, okay, here's the price to work with my team. Here's the price to work with me. And at first I was like, well, that is that good? Because then you're saying my team is worth less than me. And it does it does it kind of compete with that thing of work with my team because they're great, but it's not that you're lowering the price, right? It's that you're then increasing your price.
2: Yeah, you're increasing your price. So you could do this a couple of ways. It depends on how the conversation is going to go. So if somebody came in and said, you know, this is what we're interested in doing and they don't have any point of reference for your pricing versus their pricing, Then, and if you know that you are charging a premium to work with you, the thing, the thing in the discovery that you need to ask them is what are you looking to invest in this or what, what's your budget, you know, depending on, you know, how you frame that question. Now, if they say to you, you know, our budget for this project is $10,000 and that it fits with what your team, you know, that fits with somebody on the team for them to take on that project, but for you to take on that project, it's 25,000. Right. So you're not going to even recommend yourself. Right. Okay. But if they're, again, if they're really pushing hard back on, like, I want to work with you, Nikki, then you have to decide, do I have the capacity and would I be willing to take this project on at a premium? And then it's up to the client to decide. Cause if you really want to work with me, okay. For 25,000, we'll do this product. Like you and I will work on this project together. If you want to work with my team, our standard rate for that is 10,000. Like I'm getting a premium and that's okay. Don't be afraid to charge a premium to work with you. Just don't position it initially in the conversation. Like, well, so you could make a decision. You could work with my team and they're only 10,000 or you could work with me and it's 25,000. That's a different, like I would never frame it that way. I would really only frame it that way if somebody was pushing back hard. And if I was willing to take on the project, if I'm not willing to take on the project and they're like, but I really want to work with you. I would say, I understand. And we want to continue to earn your business. And I am confident that when you work with Susan, she's going to take good care of you. Is that something you'd like to move forward with? You have to stand in your place of authority, credibility, and be willing to, in the nicest way, say, no, that's not an option.
1: Yeah. And just a little like side note of, on that. I was actually just on a discovery call yesterday with someone. It was like, I, I explained my packages and then they're like, well, I think we need something that's kind of like a combination of this and this. And, and they said what they wanted and it doesn't fit into any of my packages. And I had to make that choice of where, what am I going to do? Am I going to get mm-hmm. into something custom? And because working with you, Nikki, I knew to kind of like stand my ground and saying, this is the package. Now with the one, you have a little bit of time. If we want to be a little flexible on that time of how you're going to use that time, we can do this, but these other things are not included in that package in this one. They're only included in this package. And I feel like I had that confidence to stand my ground in that conversation and not being like, okay, what's going to happen? What, what, what can I say to just like, get the sale, get the sale and realizing mm-hmm. that not all sales are worth it. You know, you have to stay with what you actually want to do.
2: Well, and yeah. And if you're committed to bringing, so I love that you did that. Um, but if you're committed to bringing your team members into the, into the like mix, and you know, that in order to grow your business, in order to scale your business in the way that you want to do that, your time and effort needs to be focused in another area. There will be, there will be opportunities where you're going to have to say, I'm willing to bless and release this opportunity so that I can focus on scaling, you know, and running my business in the most effective way. And if they're saying no to working with the team members, or if they're asking me to customize a package that is a lot more work for me, then the answer is, I so appreciate you asking, you know, for what you, what you want. And in this particular case, that's not an option.
1: Right. Yes. It's okay to say no.
2: It's okay. It's definitely okay to say no. That's the brilliant thing about, I think, being a business owner, being an entrepreneur is that we get to also pick and choose which clients we take Mm. and what type of work that we deliver on. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you have to because somebody wants you to. Right. If it's not what you enjoy doing, if it doesn't make you money, if it causes a bunch of like angst in your business, sometimes it's better to walk away.
1: Right. It's, it's interesting. Cause like, once again, like Nikki, you talk a lot about buying signals and everything. Mm-hmm. And I made the choice recently to ignore a buying signal because they were in an industry that I know that industry takes a lot more time and effort to fill positions than other industries. And I said, mm-hmm. you know what? right now it is not worth it for me to take on another client in that industry because i already have a few and like i i'm like if i didn't have those other clients right now in that industry i'd be like sure i know it takes a little bit more time and effort but i have the capacity i'll, I'll gladly do it but i'm like right now i'm not i'm ignoring that buy in signal i'm walking past it <laughs> and i'll check back with them in a few months to see how the hiring process is going Yeah. And that's why,
2: so this is why, you know, I'm so passionate about people learning these skills because if you don't know how to recognize a buying signal, you don't know what you're like, what you're walking away from. But when you understand, oh, this person just gave me a buying signal. Now I get to make a decision. Do I act on the buying signal or do I let it go? Because I have made a conscious decision that that's not the right thing for me. And there's a lot of confidence and freedom in being able to do what you just did of like, hey, that's just not for me right now and that's okay. Yeah. Because sometimes by saying no, by ignoring, by not acting on something because it's not a good fit for you, it opens the door for the next opportunity. I think I might have shared this recently on the podcast um, where I had somebody reach out to me, they they re- somebody recommended me to speak at their conference. And they reached out to me kind of last minute and asked, you know, would you be willing to speak at our conference? I said, yes, I can actually make that date work. Here's my fee for it. She said, well, let me think about it. That's more than what we are, you know, paying our keynote speaker. I was like, great. Let me know. Uh, we talked about scheduling a circle back call. She reached out to me later that day and she was like, Hey, you know, we'd like to have you come and speak. We think that there is more going to be exposure here for you, that you can get other opportunities. Uh, we'd like to pay you half of my fee. And I said, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm going to respectfully decline. I, it doesn't make sense for me to do it for that fee. Um, and 30 minutes later, I'm not even joking by saying no to that. 30 minutes later, a brand new client showed up in my business and paid me double what I was even asking them for, for something else. And I was like, good thing I said no to that because I would have been scrambling to try to deliver on the talk. And instead, now I've got time and energy to focus on this new client.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that kind of happened for me too. It's like, I walked past that buy-in signal and I think within the next two days, two of my past clients came back and said, hey, we're hiring for another position. We want your help. And I'm like, all right. Where before I've been like, oh my gosh, how do I take on these past clients where, when I'm overwhelmed because I took on this project that I knew I shouldn't have been taking on, that I knew was going to cause me more of a headache than, than it, it was worth at that time. Yeah. 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 So going back to selling your team, like during Mm -hmm. the discovery calls and everything, one of the things that you kind of brought up that I've been struggling with, with my own team is titles. Mm -hmm. So for example, so the team member that I have right now, when I hired her, I gave her the title and went out with the title recruiting assistance, because she's helping me with the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. But then we even had a conversation. And I was like, well, she's going to start doing some of the interviews. So she's reaching out to candidates eventually to the point, like right now I still have a lot of, she'll, she's joining in on the client conversations, but eventually she's going to be leading a lot of those client conversations herself as once you know she gets used to doing them and i'm like assistant just really doesn't seem like the right title because it kind of seems like okay now you have this this lower person in the organization doing mm-hmm. the interviews you know with the client communication and i think it takes away i think assistant takes away sometimes the ownership of stuff like that title like you know it just that that different thing so what is your opinion about titles like how do you give a title because they're not you technically they're beneath you in the organization when you look at the hierarchy there, but you want to make sure that you're able to present them with that proper authority and people trust them throughout the process.
2: I love that you're asking this question. And I think it's a really important thing to really, to think about again, when they, especially when they are, um, like client facing the client is going to engage with them in some way. So, I think assistant, you're right. In that particular case, I think assistant is probably going to do you a disservice and her a disservice. So you could call her, you know, when you're actually positioning it, if you're in a live conversation, you could say, you know, our recruitment lead. Cause now it's like, she's in the lead. So now she's, but that's not taking anything away from you, you know, Jamie and right. what you do. So I might call her the, the recruitment lead, And then as far as like, what title do you actually give her? um, If she's sending messages, you know, if they're getting emails from her and her title is there, then yeah, you definitely need to think about that. Um, You know, calling somebody an associate still, I think works. It's better than assistant than, you know, but then, you know, I, I just had this conversation with somebody recently too, where they were referring to their team members as junior associates. And I was like, let's get rid of the junior and call them associates or call them colleagues or team members. So you could just have her be recruitment team member. Like if, if you don't want to give her like some elevated title, her, her title could be recruitment team member. Like that's enough, but you just don't want to do like you're saying here, assistant junior, you know, any of that sounds like second string sounds like, Oh, right. I don't want to just work with the assistant.
1: Yeah, yeah, it totally does cuz if you think about it if you see someone with a title junior it's like okay well they must be new. Yeah. They haven't been there long enough to either prove themselves or they don't have mm-hmm. the skills to move on to the next level. So why yeah. am I working with this person? You mm-hmm. know, why did my account get assigned to them versus being assigned to a more senior team member?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So you also want to think about th- that too if you're going to give somebody else a title of a senior then does that diminish when your other, your other team members are working then with clients, right? So think about the title that you're giving. Like I know um, one of my team members, when I originally hired her, she was my executive assistant. That was the title that we had given her. Now she does so much more than a standard executive assistant. So we ended up moving her title to online business manager. So when people interface with her, they're interfacing with my online business manager and I consider her that. And as a matter of fact, there's pretty soon we're going to take away the online and it's going to be business manager, right? Like, because I want when, when my clients interface with her, that they know that they're talking to somebody who can support them, make decisions about certain aspects of the business and like get things done for them. So it's not like, Oh, well, I need to go ask Nikki this, or I need to go ask Nikki that, or, you know, Nikki wants you to do this or Nikki wants you to do that. It's like, no, here's what you need to do. Here's what we need from you. Here's how we're going to fix this problem. And so then it, I think it elevates in hopefully in the mind of the client that, Oh, I'm working with a decision maker. I'm working with somebody who can make things happen.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it's one of those things like thinking about your team member themselves, I don't know the exact numbers. I'll pull them up and put them in the show notes, but it says sometimes just changing a title can be as much of an impact as giving your employee a raise in terms of morale and making mm-hmm. them feel valued in the company. So if you're calling someone a junior and you're able to take away that junior and saying, hey, we realize you're, you're not a junior. Like this is a more appropriate title for what you're doing. It can have a great positive impact on your team members in terms of retention and then being happy in their job.
2: Yeah, it makes me think about my years in corporate where there were certain times where um, in organizations, so my background is in technology sales, and there were certain times where people like wanted to give me a title of like sales executive, but really, the title that mattered more to me was regional sales manager cuz I cuz I was managing a territory. Mm-hmm. And and so by saying regional sales manager that also is going to look better obviously on my resume than saying, you know, sales executive. So, I love that you brought that up too. Like really think about these things because don't you want your team members to be super engaged and you want them to feel like really valued as part of the team and it's going to help them in their career later, whatever, wherever they go next or whatever's next for them. Like, why not? Don't give them like, you know, CFO title if that's not a realistic title, but you know, let's not, let's not diminish them with title.
1: Yeah. I think my very first full-time job out of college, it was, my title was, it was a small business and they gave me a director of PR and marketing. And I'm like, this is my first full-time job out of college. I've only had like two internships, (laughs) like I think you're doing a disservice by giving me the title director, because if I, when I put it on a resume, like I actually didn't use the term director when I put it on my resume and I was looking for a job, I was like, cause I feel like that's going to be really confusing. I wasn't in a director level position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So it was like, people might look at that and be like, oh, well, she was a director. Why is she applying for this other, like more basic lower entry, like lower level position. And I'm just like, all right. So yeah, you don't want to give like super, super elevated titles And that can also hurt yourself as you go to try to expand. And what if you need to bring in someone more senior than them because the way your business has changed, but yeah, making sure that the title's appropriate for, for presenting them to your clients and making that your team member feel like they are a valued part of the team.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, Nikki, well, we have to wrap up, but before we do any other tips or anything you want to share with people about selling their team on those discovery calls? Well,
2: on the discovery call itself, you know, remember to, I I guess I've said it really, like, remember to let your ego like sit to the side. And if you're not an option, don't position yourself as like, don't take anything away in the, when you're positioning, like how to work with you guys, like you shouldn't even come into the conversation. Even though it's hard not to say like, oh, but you know, they reached out, they're on my website. They saw my stuff. Like you, like, let that go. Let them be the one to bring it up. Like, can't I hire you? Don't be the one to say, well, you can't work with me right now. Cause my schedule's full. Like let, let right. that stuff go. It's hard not to make disclaimers. It takes practice especially I think for women, because a lot of us make disclaimers, you know, somebody comes up to you and they're like, Oh my gosh, you're, you're glowing today. Look how beautiful you are. And you're like, Oh no, that's just sweat. You know, like we <laughs> like, we diminish that stuff. So it's easy to get in that disclaimer mode, but be careful doing it in your business. Cause it's going to, it's going to hinder. It's not going to help.
1: Yeah. And I see it also as, okay, so you have someone that's helping you with the work. You're learning how to sell your team. You're teaching people that just because they're talking to you does not mean that they're going to work with you. It seems like it's leading into that next thing of continuing to grow your business and allowing then other people to sell for you. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Selling for, I mean, so I always will say as a small business owner, Nobody probably is going to ever be able to sell as effectively as you are. But I read this book years ago. Now I can't think what it was called. But it was like, if you can get somebody on your team that can raise to and deliver at about 80% capacity of what you're capable of, like you've got a home run team member. So when you can find somebody on your team who can sell for you at about 80% of what you're capable of, you've got a home run there. Because right. nobody will ever be you, but at the same time, as you're able to do that, and I have clients right now that are starting to do this, that are starting to step away from taking the discovery calls that actually have somebody now that's positioning. Um, and then now they're transitioning those people to work with me so that they can up level their skills in the sales process. Um, so I would also say, as you get ready to step away from your from doing the sales, make sure that the person that you are putting in that position has either the expertise and, or the desire to do it. Cause I find a lot of times we try to get other people to sell for us that are like, I hate sales. (laughs) I don't want to sell. And this person's making me do it because I'm the most senior person on their team. That doesn't make them the most qualified person to sell for you.
1: Exactly. Yes. Make sure the person has the right skills and also wants to do the job. That's super, super important. All right, Nikki, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Well, if I can, I'll wrap
2: it around a gift for your listeners. I think yes. that's usually the easiest to stay in touch. Um, I have a gift called closing the sale. It's an ebook. It's a super fast read. I'd love to give it to your audience. You can get it by going to your salesmaven.com forward slash team. So that'll be for your listeners and then we'll be connected and or come hang out with me on the podcast. Come listen to the podcast salesmaven.
1: Yes, definitely. All right, Nikki, I know you've shared before, but I always like to end with the same question. So we've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us, whether in our professional career or in our personal lives, think of someone that stood out to you and what made them a great leader or manager.
2: Mm. You know, I just had this experience recently where somebody who was in a leadership role, um, at an event that I was participating in, uh, I was so impressed with the way that she held herself in like, um, I, I was one of her speakers at the event and I ended up getting quite a bit of love poured on me, frankly, from the people at the event. And I started to get a little bit nervous. Cause like, Oh, is she going to feel like I'm trying to steal her thunder? Cause I certainly wasn't. And the way she handled it was with so much grace and so much appreciation and that she poured just as much love onto me as the people at the event. And she didn't, it wasn't in any way, like I wasn't taking anything away from her by having some spotlight put onto me. And I just thought like, wow, that is always the leader that I want to be. I always want to be comfortable and so, so confident in how I show up, who I am in the room that I never ever feel like anybody has to be diminished in order for me to stand taller, and I just was so impressed with the way she did it.
1: Yes, that's amazing, and I think that kind of reflects to a lot of things that we are talking about today. Is as that leader, they brought you into the room. That was a decision that they made. They wanted yeah. you to present to their audience, and you know so they should want you to succeed. They should want you to get all that Mm -hmm. attention because it means as the leader of that event, they made the right decisions, which also means it reflects well on them with the same with your team. You bring those team members in, you want them to do well. You want your clients to love them because it's a reflection of you and your business. And when they do well, you do well.
2: Yeah. And I certainly have been on the flip side of that, right? Of feeling like somebody felt uncomfortable or, or in any way like, and that's why I felt nervous because I was like oh my gosh like I don't want to hurt my relationship with this person in any way um because I've been in those situations where the leader didn't handle it in that way and so to be to be in a room and watch it demonstrated and like you said if she really absorbed it as like yeah I'm like all the love that you're pouring onto Nikki right now is because I brought her into the room. And so it just continued to elevate the whole event, I think for everybody. And it also creates safety, right? Like it just creates safety for everybody in the room. Like she's not going to be intimidated by anybody stealing her thunder. It was awesome.
1: Yes, great. All right, Nikki, thank you so much for joining us again on the Growing Your Team podcast. Once again, you shared so much valuable information about you know, hiring and leading teams within your own business as you continue to grow and scale. Thank you for having me. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.